Acts chapter 10, verse 39. We're going to go from verse 39 to verse 43. You ready? And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Father, we thank you for the good news of Jesus. We thank you for the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation. We ask, God, that you would save us, that you would change us, that you would transform us, that you would make us reflections of your image in this earth, that men would see Jesus and have hope for life, even in the face of death. Father, we thank you for these things, and we thank you for your promises given to us in Jesus. In that name, in the name above all names, in the name of Jesus, everybody said, Amen. So in these verses here, verse 39 through 43, we see Peter witnessing to the works of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the appearing of Jesus after his resurrection, the judgment of Jesus, and the salvation of Jesus. The works of Jesus testify. Do you know that the works of Jesus still testify today? In Acts chapter 10 here in the preceding verses, verses 37 and 38, Peter says, That word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, that word... How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Do you know that Jesus is still anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power? Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Guess what Jesus is still doing? He is still going out and doing good. And healing all who are oppressed of the devil. How is he doing it today? He's at the right hand of the Father. He's not walking on planet earth in a physical body. But is his body walking in the earth today? Yes. And who is that body? We are that body. So how is Jesus still anointed today? with the Holy Spirit and with power because his body, the church, is anointed today with the Holy Spirit and with power. How is Jesus still going out and doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil? Because his body, the church, is going out, or at least we're supposed to be, doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. Does that mean that no Christian will die of coronavirus? 
I don't know. That's not what that means. It really is. It should really be for all of us who profess to be Christians. It really should be a stark reminder when you see how fearful the world is of a virus that statistically the chance of, the, of, of you dying of this virus is statistically insignificant. You realize that, don't you? For all the people that went and emptied the shelves at HEB and now filled their, their, their freezers with food that's going to be freezer burned before they can eat it all, the chance of them dying of coronavirus is statistically so small, it's, it's not even worth being feared, being afraid of. But do you know what? You are 100% guaranteed to die from, suffer from your sin. But nobody's afraid of their sin. We're all afraid of a virus, but nobody's afraid of sin. Yet sin is the one thing that will kill you eternally and keep you dead. Listen, coronavirus can kill your body. Cancer can kill your body. Flu can kill your body. An accident can kill your body. But if you are in Jesus, you can't die. You have eternal life, even if your body dies. But guess what sin does? Sin kills you dead. I mean dead. There is no vaccination you can take for sin. There is no inoculation you can take for sin. There's not a drug you can take for sin. There's not a, an essential oil you can take for sin. There's nothing you can do for sin except run to Jesus. Trust in Jesus because Jesus is the only remedy for sin. And while we should be reminding people that it is irrational for you to be that fearful of coronavirus, it is very real and rational that you should be fearful of your sin. Because that, that my friends will kill you. That will make you dead. Keep you dead. But Jesus, Jesus can raise the dead. Jesus brings the dead back to life. Jesus can take darkness and make it light. Jesus can take that which is dead and turn it back into life. Jesus can take the old that's passed away and bring a new creation and make all things new. Jesus is the only remedy we have for sin. The works of Jesus still testify today just as they were done openly, publicly for all to see when Jesus walked the, the, were, the, the earth, our work in Jesus, our gospel message should be spoken, should be lived out in public for all the world to see. That's how the works of Jesus still testify today. His past works, his present works and the works that he will continue to do through his body, the church, in his name, in the earth today, those works testify to Jesus. The work of Jesus 
testifies as the church does what Jesus did. Go out, do good. Believe that God through you will bring healing to those who are oppressed by the devil. He does that through the gospel because the gospel is the power of God to salvation. The preaching and the proclaiming of the gospel is how people are delivered from the oppression of the devil. It's how people are healed from sin. The only truly terminal disease humanity suffers from. The sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross still testifies today. The sacrificial death of Jesus is the death Jesus commands us to embrace today. You do realize that. It's like the old song goes, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Yet, Jesus came not just so that we could live, because in order to have a resurrection, you have to have a death. And there are people in the church that don't like this reality. We want to talk about life. We want to talk about resurrection. But nobody wants to talk about death. But guess what? You have to have before you can have a resurrection. You got to have a death. So you can't have a resurrection without a cross. And you can't live in Jesus unless you die in him first. This is how the death of Jesus still testifies today. Jesus commands us to embrace his cross. If it is the death we remember and proclaim each week when we come to the table of the Lord. It is the death Jesus commands us to enter into so that we may be raised in his life. Luke 9, 23 and 24, Jesus speaking here. He says, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The cross of Christ still testifies today. It testifies of what Jesus did, and it testifies of who Jesus is. He is the Lamb of God slain before the sin, before the foundation of the world. The Lamb of God slain for our sin. Jesus died on the cross for your sin and for my sin. That's what he did. He is the perfect Lamb of God. The cross testifies of what we are to do, and the cross testifies of who we are to become. We are to be crucified with him so that we may be raised with him in power, that we would become a people who manifest his spirit and his life in the earth today. We were crucified with him so that we could be raised with him to manifest his life. The resurrection of Jesus testifies still today. It testifies to his victory over sin and over death. The cross of Christ still testifies today because Jesus is not dead. He is risen. 
The cross testifies of what Jesus did, and the empty tomb testifies of who Jesus is. He's not just the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world for our sin. He has conquered death to become the resurrection and the life. The only way to the Father. The resurrection of Jesus testifies of his victory over sin and over death. The cross and his resurrection testify of what we are to do and who we are to become. We are to be crucified with him in order to become the expression of his resurrection life and power in the earth today. I mean, come on. Romans 8.11 says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and will strengthen your mortal body. I'm not saying go out there and drink pond water and, pond water and dare God that, that you don't get dysentery. I'm saying don't live fearful. Be wise. Wash your hands. Do the things you know to do. It, we don't need coronavirus to tell us this, right? We know this. This is just the way we, we should live. I mean, even though it's not in the Bible, there is some truth to the saying. You know, God, uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in the scripture. A lot of people think it is. What verse is that, Pastor Jeff? You know, that, what verse? That verse, cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, I got news for you. It's not in the Bible. But it, it's got application, right? But don't be fearful. Don't tempt God, but trust God. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The resurrection of Jesus still testifies today. It eternally testifies to his victory and his lordship over all. His resurrection is our victory too. For if we are crucified with him, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ in me is his eternal life in me. Christ in me is my victory. Christ in me is my overcoming all things to the glory of God, even death. Most certainly death. And why is death called the last, the final enemy put underfoot? Because of the thing that brought death, which is sin. And when sin is ultimately, finally put away in everything, guess what will happen to death? It will go away. The resurrection of Jesus testifies of his victory, but also the victory of all of those who belong to Jesus and have their life in him. The appearing of the Lord to his chosen witnesses still testifies today. Christ did not just rise from the dead and ascend straight to heaven. He was raised from the dead and he appeared to witnesses, Peter says, chosen before by God. Guess what? He still does. The appearing of Jesus to you the fact that you know Jesus, the fact that you see Jesus, I'm not talking about a physical manifestation. I'm talking about knowing in your heart, knowing in your mind that Jesus has appeared to you. 
He has revealed himself to you. He has made himself known to you. That is by faith. Jesus is still appearing today to those whom God chose before to be his witnesses. Jesus did not reveal himself to all people, but to those witnesses chosen by God. This would be significant for Peter's Gentile audience. For the idea of a bodily resurrection was foreign to the world back then. The Greek culture, which this was the Roman Empire, but you have to understand, if you go back and read your history, Rome had its own culture, but it was greatly influenced by Greece and the Greek philosophers and the Greek culture that had ruled the world before Rome did. And the idea of a bodily resurrection was foolishness to the Greeks. And so more than likely, Cornelius here was in that mindset that did not understand why. Why would God bother to resurrect a body? And so when Peter gives witness here to the resurrection, he's preaching to these Gentiles and this idea of a bodily resurrection would have been a foreign concept to them. And the question would naturally arise as to why the resurrected Christ didn't show himself openly to all people. And Peter is affirming that Christ then and now is revealed to those God chose. Jesus affirmed this in his very own discourse. And Peter says to Cornelius and those Gentiles, he appeared to those whom God chose beforehand to be witnesses. And we ate and we drank with him after his resurrection. Because you can imagine that Cornelius trying to understand this in his mind might have thought, well, was he a ghost? No, he had a body. He actually ate food. I ate with him. He drank. I drank with him. I handled him. I touched him. It was a real body that Jesus was resurrected with. Guess what's going to happen one day when your mortality puts on immortality and your corruption puts on incorruption. You're going to have a real body. You're going to live on a real earth. This earth, not some cloud-like place called heaven where everything's transparent and it's just like, oh, wow. No, you're going to live on this earth, this very earth, a real earth, just as solid and tangible as it is now. And guess what you're going to have? You're going to have a real body, more solid and more tangible than the body you have right now because your body right now and my body right now is passing away. But the body that God will give us one day in the resurrection will never pass away. It is spiritual meaning it is eternal. Jesus talked about, he affirmed the reality of this resurrection of all believers. John 6, 39. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose, of, of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. John 6, 44. Now, who is that? All that the Father had given to Jesus. What's he going to do? He's going to raise them up at the last day. No one, John 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. These are the witnesses chosen by God 
before. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. What is God going to do with his witnesses that he's chosen? He's going to raise them up. We're all going to die one day of something. But guess what the promise of God is? He's going to raise up these bodies. He's going to take corruption and turn it into incorruption and mortality and turn it into immortality. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul speaking about God revealing Christ, not to him, but in him. Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 through 16. Paul writing here, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. What did God do? He revealed his Son Not just to Paul. More importantly, he revealed him in Paul. Do you know a lot of people saw Jesus? The people that mocked him at the foot of the cross saw physically Jesus. The Pharisees who had him crucified spoke face to face and saw Jesus, but they couldn't see Jesus. This is why Jesus would say things like, for those who have eyes to see or those who have ears to hear. Well, we all have ears. We can all hear. Jesus said, no, actually, you can't all hear. Well, we all have eyes. We can all see. None of us are blind. Jesus said, no, actually, you are blind. You can't see. This is not a physical seeing. seeing. This is not a physical appearing. This is an appearing by faith. Many people saw Jesus with their physical eyes, but they were blind. They didn't have faith to see Jesus, the Christ. They could see a man before them, but they could not see the Messiah, the promised Savior, who did appear to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Hebrews 9, 26, But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. This is the resurrected Jesus who has appeared a second time apart from sin. He came, he lived, he died. And this same Jesus appeared a second time apart from sin, having defeated death through the power of his resurrection life. Hebrews 9.28, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. This is the imagery of the day of atonement when the high priest takes the blood of the lamb and he goes into the holiest of holies and sprinkles the mercy seat with the blood of the sacrifice. And they see the priest go in with the sin sacrifice And he goes and he disappears behind the veil. And all Israel is there gathered together waiting to see if God accepted the sacrifice for the sins of the nation. And what are they waiting to see? They're waiting to see if the priest appears a second time apart from sin. Because he went in with the blood of sacrifice to atone for the sin. And the fact that he did not drop dead in the presence of God but came out. And appeared a second time apart from sin. Says that God accepted the sacrifice. This is the imagery right here. This is exactly what Jesus did. Because every time the high priest did that. It was pointing us to Jesus. Who took his very own blood. The perfect lamb of God. And went and ascended to the father. 
and took that blood of sacrifice and the Father accepted it. And Jesus appeared a second time apart from sin in the resurrection in a glorified body. And we know that the Father accepted that blood of sacrifice that ascended to him because Jesus did not remain in the tomb, but he was raised in a glorified body. His appearing is more than a physical appearing. It's an appearing within our heart through eyes of faith. Jesus not only appeared to us, he not only appears in us by faith, he has appeared for us before the Father. Listen to Hebrews 9, 24. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands. Do you know that Jesus, our high priest, never went into the holy of holies in that temple in Jerusalem? Because that temple in Jerusalem was just a copy to point us to the true tabernacle who is Jesus himself. And this is what the writer is saying. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Jesus appeared in the presence of God for us. That our sins would be taken away and we could have life eternal in the Son and when Christ appears to us, we are to continue to fix our gaze upon his appearance. His appearing is not a one-time event, but a continuous reality that is to change and transform us. You do realize this, church. We talk about Jesus, the appearing of Jesus, as if it's a one-and-done event. Well, it happened back then, but it's going to happen again in the future. No, it better be happening all the time. You better be seeing Jesus all the time. You better be gazing into his appearance all the time. If you're not, you're not being transformed. You're not being changed into the very same image. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to begin in verse 17. For the Lord is the Spirit and the Spirit of the Lord. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed, being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. Not we were, but we are being it's a continuous action that's taking place by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. The idea that we keep on beholding the glory of the Lord. This is the idea in this verse. That we are to keep on beholding the glory of the Lord. And as we keep on beholding the appearing of the Lord, we continue to be changed and transformed into the same appearance. Christ has appeared so that you may continue beholding the image of his appearing. The appearing of the Lord to his chosen witnesses still testifies today. If you are trusting Jesus, you can be assured that he has chosen to reveal himself to you and in you. And as he has been revealed in you, you are, we are to continue beholding his appearance and continuing to be transformed into the same image by the Spirit of the Lord. 
Those who love his appearing are not just those who are waiting for him to come through the clouds one day and put his feet on the earth. Those who love his appearing are those who love to fix their gaze on Jesus every day and look at him as in a mirror and be transformed into the same image. That's what that means. So the appearing of the Lord is a continuous reality in the life of the believer. The judge of both living and dead is testimony to his complete authority. The command of Jesus to his disciples is to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. This speaks to the complete, total, absolute authority that's been given to Jesus in heaven and on earth. As Jesus is preparing to go to the cross, he speaks of his judgment, the judgment of this world, John 12, 31 and 32. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. The judgment of the world is not just about wrath, it's about salvation. It's about the salvation of those whom God chose to be his witnesses. Judgment is not just the wrath of God upon deserving sinners, it is the grace-filled salvation of God upon undeserving sinners. We deserve the wrath of God, what we don't deserve is the grace of God. Much of the world is going to get what they deserve. But you know what? If you end up in heaven, if you are in Jesus right now, you're not going to get what you deserve. That's why the gospel is called good news. That's why good news is good news. Because in Christ, we're not getting what we deserve. Judgment is most often thought about in terms of the condemnation of sinners. Yet it is more about the salvation of sinners and the merciful justice of God. Listen to what... The, the writer of Acts says, Dr. Luke, Acts 17, 30 through 31, Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. How do we know Jesus is the judge of all? Because he is resurrected. He's alive. And he's going to come back and he's going to judge the dead and the living. God did not have to condemn the world. The world was already under condemnation when Jesus came. Because the world was in unbelief and sin. Jesus came to deliver the world, Jew and Gentile alike. That's what the word world means there. God so loved the world. He loves Jew and Gentile. Jesus came to deliver the world from the condemnation of sin that man was already under due to his unbelief. Adam's unbelief brought sin into all mankind. And sin is now the nature of man. Sin has infected us to the very micro level of our being. There is no part of us that has not been infected by sin. This is what total depravity means. 
Total depravity doesn't mean you're as wicked and as evil and as mean as, as anybody else. It just means that sin has completely and utterly and totally infected you and invaded your very being to the point that there is nothing good in us. It doesn't mean we can't think good thoughts and do good things. Be happy, be joyful, be kind. That's not what total depravity means. It means that we can't save ourselves. Sin is a terminal disease. You might get coronavirus and recover from it in a couple of weeks. But listen, if you have been infected with sin, there is no remedy for you. You can't wish it away. You can't work it away. You can't pray it away. You can't pay it away. The only way to be delivered from the terminal illness of sin is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're not trusting in the blood and the work of Jesus, there is no solution. There is no remedy for you. God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. He sent Jesus to save the world. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Jesus came to deliver the world. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He has commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he, it is Jesus, who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. We must all reckon within ourselves that there is a judgment day coming. You do realize this, right? Our trust in the Lord Jesus will determine whether God's judgment has resulted in our salvation or in our continuing under the condemnation of sin and death. What's the solution? Trust Jesus. Be saved. Be delivered from the condemnation of sin and death. Choose Life. God said to Israel, I set before you this day life and death. Choose life. Jesus is risen. He has appeared. He is still appearing. Choose Jesus. Trust Jesus and choose life. The witness of the scripture is the testimony of salvation through the name of Jesus. To him, all the prophets witness that. Through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. You mean, Pastor Jeff, it's that easy? I just need to trust in Jesus? Yes. It's that easy for you, but it cost Jesus everything at the cross so that you could trust in him. And he even gives you the faith to trust. So trust him. Acts 4, 11 and 12 this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The prophets gave witness to Jesus Christ, but he was the stone which was rejected. There is salvation in no other name, only the name of Jesus. Philippians 2.10 That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. 
and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is not just history. This is our continuing testimony. This is not given to be only an account of events from the past. This is given for us, for our testimony today. We come to this table every week and we give witness and we give testimony to Jesus. Each week and hopefully each day we testify to his works to his sacrifice, to his resurrection, to his appearing, to his judgment, and to his salvation. We do this through the blessing of our daily life in both small and great ways. We do it, yes, in the big things, the great things of life, but do you know how we most often do it? We do it in the small things, the insignificant things, the things that most people don't pay any attention to, but God does. I've said this before. You read through the Bible and you wonder, why did God put all this repetition? Why did he put all these names that I can't even pronounce and all these numbers that mean absolutely nothing to me? Well, guess who they mean something to? They mean something to God. But more important to that, it reveals to us that God is in the details. The old saying, the devil's in the details, that's a lie. The devil's not in the details. God is in the details. And God is in the details of your life. Pay attention to the little things because that's where you're going to find God. That's where you're going to give witness. That's where you're going to testify. And if you're faithful to testify, to give witness in the little things, giving witness and testifying in the big things won't be an issue, won't be a problem. You'll be ready. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the small things that make the difference. Testify of Jesus, yes, in the great things, but most importantly, in the small things. God is in the details. Do not despise them and do not despise him. Amen. Let's prepare and come to the table. Well, let's stand. The works of Jesus still speak in our experience through his church, through you today. This is your charge that you... Trust him even more. However much you trust him now, trust him even more. Trust that he will do his works in you and through you every day. The witness of his sacrifice, the cross of Christ, still speaks today. It's still crucifying souls and translating them into his resurrection life. We are charged to be crucified with him. We are charged to take up our cross daily and to live like our old man is truly dead. The witness of his resurrection is still powerful today. Jesus is indeed the resurrection and the life, and those weren't just encouraging words for a grieving woman. When Jesus declared to to Mary, to Martha, that he was the resurrection and the life. He was declaring his real and eternal power and life. And that has indeed, that life and that power has conquered sin. It has conquered death once 
and for all who trust in his name. And if you are trusting Christ, then walk in the newness of his life, of his resurrection each and every day. The witness of his appearing is still changing lives. It is his appearing in our heart through faith that changes us. So our charge is to keep beholding him, to keep looking to his appearing and keep being transformed into the same image. The witness of his judgment speaks today. It is seen today in everything that is happening because God is still judging sin today and you can't have the events that are happening in our world today apart from God working through and in those events. God did not fall off his throne. He did not fall asleep and let some virus cut loose on the earth. No, God is absolutely in control of this. The same gospel that saves souls, condemns souls. Jesus is the judge of the living and the dead. Let us live in a manner that gives us confidence in that day. So our charge is to keep loving him because he has first loved us and he does not stop loving his children This is why you have no reason to fear, so allow his perfect and complete love to cast any fear out of you. The witness of his salvation is just as powerful, just as life-altering today as it ever was. Salvation is not what we have. Salvation is who has us. Jesus is our salvation. He is the Savior. In his name alone can man be saved and come to the Father. The witness of his salvation should be plain and clear. So we are charged to let that witness be heard, to let that witness be seen, because we are his body. We are the church. We are the expression of Jesus in the earth today. So if you are, then live like you are saved. Amen? Do all of this in and for his glory. Amen.